Welcome to the Warrior Women Project podcast, helping you become a warrior woman, sort your shit and find better balance in your life. So welcome to another interview. Um, of, oh God, my words are tripping me, are tripping me up. This is Jen from the Warrior Women Project and we are doing another interview um, for our podcast and today I have Nicole Wright with me and I met Nicole through a Facebook group and we arranged to have a face-to-face meeting and the day that we were having that meeting it just coincidentally happened that we were both meeting with somebody else from a completely different Facebook group and that really small networking world of social media that is but it's another, another connection that I have made and taken the effort to meet in real life and I was very very glad that I did because we had such a good chat that day that, that we met up so Nicole welcome to the podcast thanks Jen nice to be here <laughs> and how are you today very good thank you um wish spring would come back but other than that <laughs> good. Thank it was here for the day it was exactly <laughs> can't complain <laughs> So can you tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, of course. So I'm based up in Aberdeen. Uh, Aberdeen? No, I was based in Aberdeen. I've now moved to Edinburgh as of the beginning of this year. Um, so I'm based in Edinburgh. I've been a personal trainer for about five years now, um, doing nutrition coaching as well. But since the beginning of the year, I also have um, a company called Edinburgh Run Tours that is... Um, basically a running tours company so people come to Edinburgh and rather than walking around the sites I um, take them running around the sites or um, we do training runs if they're away and they want to get in a certain run as well so yeah it's all exciting it's all new as well um, building things up again and enjoying it and getting to meet people exactly like you said um, really trying to get myself out there and make connections there's so many like-minded women out there or people and women yeah. as well and it's great to be able to meet some of those people like yourself and really connect yeah so we were having um we were both online at an online coffee and chat conversation earlier with Haley, who runs the southwood social hub and she was asking about how to get back into exercise and things like that and both of us answered pretty much at the same time <laughs> almost with exactly the same answer we did brilliant <laughs> really good um, yeah, because yeah, I think it could obviously differ so much between opinions from fitness individuals, but it's so good when somebody's on the same page of you, a page as you. And I think when we sat down and had our chat, it's clear that we're both into the whole thing of it's got to be a sustainable long-term option. So none of these like mm. fancy fad diets, um, just something that you can work into your lifestyle. It's about creating, slowly creating good habits. And really importantly, and you said this as well, is finding stuff that you enjoy doing. Because if you're trying to do something that you absolutely hate, it's just not going to happen. It's difficult enough anyway to find the time, to find the energy in our busy lives to fit exercise in. So if you're then deciding to do something that you're really not going to enjoy, like you know, going to the gym, if that's not your thing, then it's about finding what is your thing and... Yeah doing that so for me it's running I absolutely love running I think a bit like yourself I used to be quite into gym um, definitely not so much into that anymore I love being outdoors I'd rather be always be rather be outdoors than indoors yeah 
yes, I, I, running is something that I want to get back into because I never, never ran. And then when I split up with my husband, something in me wanted me to go out and run. And I ran quite a lot, but I was doing that on top of other things. I ended up getting lots of injuries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I then decided that running wasn't for me because I was always injured and there was no point in doing something if I was in pain with it. But I'm getting this, I don't want to go back to the gym anymore. I've kind of fallen out of love with it and I want to find something else to get my cardiovascular fitness done. And I'm thinking, oh, I want to go running. And it's like, but I think it's that being outside and being able to get into nature and connect with nature rather than being stuck inside a building all the time. Yeah, I think. And especially as the lights, uh, the nights are starting to get lighter, I feel this really, really big urge just to try and be outside. And I just like, I can get quite antsy if I'm not. And it's, I think it's a different vibe than being in the gym, isn't it? It's when you can, like you say, connect with nature and you're breathing in fresh air. And it's not necessarily so much about what you're doing. It's about just being outside and being active outside. And there's so much you can do. I mean, obviously I'm into running, but I know it's not for everybody. Um, mm. But even like, you know, walking in the hills or you've got your cycling or I go to a boot camp group um, on a Saturday morning that um, I don't run that. I actually go to it as a participant. Um, And it's just, you know, finding out different things. You know, I've signed up to some obstacle course races as well just to challenge myself over summer in a completely different way. And I think it's quite exciting. Um, I'm not a massive one for um, structured training I think obviously it definitely has its place especially if you have specific goals in a gym for example or if you're entering I don't know bodybuilding competitions or whatever but for myself um, it's all about keeping a level of fitness but feeling active and really enjoying what I'm doing and that's part of my lifestyle so I don't see my fitness activities as just exercise I have to do I see it as part of my hobbies part of my pastimes it's when I meet new friends. Um, so in Edinburgh, you know, I've joined lots of fitness groups, um, all different levels. And that's how I've started meeting people up here, connecting with people and building a friendship group as well. So for me, yeah, it isn't just exercise. It's um, part of my life that I really enjoy and just fits into everything else. Yeah. Yes, I think that's really important because you're obviously not from Edinburgh. Um, just with your accent (laughs) you can tell you're not from there and it's really important I was speaking to somebody else earlier on about having connections and having a sense of community so that you you have something to go to when it feels like your life's falling apart or whether you just need the support from from somewhere how have you found that having moved around a bit um completely agree with that I think um so I a relationship finished I moved from Aberdeen to Edinburgh didn't know anybody down or knew one person down here completely new start and I think I would have I did feel really really lost at the beginning and I was kind of like what should I do well I know I like running I know I'm into sports and fitness so I'll just see what groups are out there and I can honestly say three four months in I'm not quite sure what I would have done if I hadn't joined them because I've already got such um, a good group of friends and they're groups of friends that you know, we went to a pub quiz last week um, and we're just signed up for some other stuff, you know, next weekend. So it's not just about the fitness. It's really turning into a bunch of people that I've connected with, guys yeah. and girls, who I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And I think I'm starting to feel really connected to the city 
and can see this as um, a place that I want to live, a place that I now want to expand my business into because of these connections. That If I hadn't made them, if I just sat at home and hoped it would be okay and just concentrated 100% on building my business, I don't think I would be in the mindset space that I am now. I'm feeling really positive about things. I can see how I can take my business and it hasn't been from doing purely business stuff. It's been from connecting to the city and people in it and finding my life and my positivity and my happiness as well. Yeah, it's really important to find that. It can be so easy to just go into the house, close the door, sit at the computer and get sucked into a vault of depression, loneliness. It can cause anxiety you know, all those sorts of things. So if you can get out and make those connections, that's going to help you, especially when you move to a new city. Exactly. And I think loads of us, um, more and more increasingly, um, are working from home. We've got our own businesses. We're working within a very small group of people. Um, You mentioned Hayley from Southwich Social Hub. And that group of women, so many of them are independent business women who are working by themselves. And it can be... um, you know, I found with first-hand experience quite a lonely path sometimes when you're just working at home. You might have a whole day and, you know, I don't have children. Um, so I'm just, it might be my whole day that I am at home by myself and suddenly it's got to the end of the day because I've had an admin day or something. And I'm like, I haven't seen anybody or connected with anybody other than maybe liking a few things on Facebook or commenting yeah. on a few things on Facebook. And if you continue to do that, it can really drag you down and be quite... Um, depressing and yeah you feel unconnected and not part of anything so yeah and it might be that the only man the only person you see in the day is a postman and they yeah. come, when they come to deliver your amazon order and then you're like oh hi and you try <laughs> and connect with them and they're like yeah but deliveries are running away from you exactly yeah exactly <laughs> the tesco's checkout and you want to like strike up a really long conversation with the cashier <laughs> like oh I need to get out more but it is it's it can be getting out of your comfort zone and forcing yourself to do it there's been you know especially at the beginning lots of evenings I was like I really I just want to sit by myself I don't want to see people I don't Mm. want to face new situations um and so you have to do it sometimes and it's usually better for doing it and I think that kind of translates into exercise as well because I can understand how exercise can be quite daunting to get into if you're not into it already like I am a fitness person so I'm obviously into fitness but I know not everybody is and it's somehow making that first step or that breakthrough and just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit more and really you know making that those first steps however painful it might seem at the time the chances are it's probably going to be a lot better once you've started yeah quite often it's the thought of something is worse than the actual event itself it's like oh my god I'm going to walk in to that room and everybody's going to know exactly what they're doing and they're all going to be in lycra looking amazing super toned super strong blah 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 but when you actually go in there that's not generally unless you go to the wrong club that's not the reality of it yeah definitely I think we all worry so much and myself included about what other people are thinking um and you just have to realize that actually people aren't 
usually judging you they're worrying what you're thinking about them so while you're worrying what they're thinking about you they're worrying about and it's just you know um, actually it's it's yeah it can feel quite intimidating but we're all in our own little worlds usually and the chances are if let's say you go to a gym the chances are 90% of the people in that gym don't actually really know what they're doing so you're not going to be out of place and it's just giving it a go or joining a new club as well um if you join a beginner's runners club, they're hopefully all going to be beginners. You know, they're not going to be sprinting off. And it's just making sure that you pick something that you think is a viable option, just picking the right thing. So, yeah, don't go and pick a, a kind of ultra fitness obstacle course kind of club if you're just just getting into fitness because that might put yeah. you off the life. So it's just, you know, having a the right picking the right thing as well I think yeah and then even before you go and sign up for it go and scope it out like yeah. if it's a gym ask for a tour of it first so you can see the types of people that are in there at the time that you think that you're going to be in there if you want to join a beginner's run club find out where they meet and go and have a wee look at them before you go like it's a little bit stalkerish but it's getting a feel for it before you actually commit yourself to doing it because if you turned up and went that's not for me then you can walk away or you can go, oh, actually, they look like nice, normal people, my kind of people, then it's going to encourage you more to actually go there and get it done. Yeah, exactly. And loads of things now do a free trial, so Mm. you can try things, and if you realise it's not for you, then you haven't lost any money, you've just lost a bit of um, time. And also on Facebook now, you're saying, it sounds a bit stalkerish, but it's true, You you can basically look at all the photos of, everything like I googled all the clubs and kind of things in Edinburgh before looked at all their group photos and thought they look nice people I'm not sure about that you know (laughs) and then decided which ones I'd try based on all of that information I found so much easier nowadays to have a an idea you're not completely turning up blind but at the same time if you have a friend you can I if you can have a friend you can start something new with or just take along to that first session that can really help as well I didn't have that when I started up here, because I didn't really know anybody, but if you've got the opportunity of dragging along a friend, that friend who always says she wants to get into fitness as well, yeah. and why not do you two of it together? So even if it's a complete disaster for that one session, it doesn't matter because you can both laugh about it afterwards yeah. and put yourself onto the next thing. Yeah, you've got a story for the pub later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> so tell me a little bit more about your Edinburgh running tours because that sounds really interesting and when we first spoke it was something I had never heard of before um, it's really funny you say that because I'm literally writing a blog post on what is a running tour and why go on a running tour um, because what I've found since taking over Edinburgh running tours is that even runners kind of look at me and go what's a running tour um which I hadn't anticipated actually because I think I knew what it was and I spent so much time researching it I hadn't thought of it from the perspective of nobody else has ever heard of it um so a running tour in its simplest terms is um you go to a city like Edinburgh a new city and rather than doing a guided walking tour you do a guided running tour um so I take people out uh, mostly tourists visiting the city I take them on private running tours around the city and they can do anything from about four miles and see the central city sites to um much longer runs I've got a couple of 16 mile runs um this week and they are um 
two business guys from the US who are over and they want to get in a training run before um, work starts and they, while they're away they want to keep up their training so it's just having me as a guide for those people who always pack their trainers in their suitcase yep um which isn't everybody but it's certainly me as well so you pack your trainers in the suitcase get to a new city often want to see the city and you just don't necessarily know the routes and it's just having the ease of somebody there to yep. show you the city show you the sights show you off the beaten track if that's what you want and um yeah having the convenience as well and the accessibility to do it so new venture um it was an existing company already so i've taken over from a lovely lady who's actually going over to chamonix to set up an ultra running company which is fantastic i'm very jealous of it (laughs) um so yeah already business based there but she did it part-time so I'm trying to just develop it this year and make it into something bigger and I think one of my main challenges is what you kind of highlighted right from the start is um, getting the um, the awareness of running tours out there because there you could go to any city and there is pretty much going to be somebody who can do a running tour but it's knowing that that's even available to you yeah. so that's my mission this year is to try and increase awareness and get people understanding more about running tours. So what that's what they're looking for when they come to Edinburgh. Yeah. If they were going to become an owner a running tour, would they have to already be a certain level of runner? No, not at all. So, um, oh, well, certainly not for my tours. Um, so what I do is I keep the tour groups very, very small. So, um, people do pay a bit more, but at the same time, they're pretty much in, in their own groups. It might be just them, it might be them and their partner, or it might be a small group they've put together, which means we can go at their pace. So yeah. um, I had a couple of lady joggers who had done a couch to 5K, um, but they wanted to see the city doing a jogging tour. So I took them on that and it was you know, a lovely pace. It was really nice. We stopped for loads of photos, stopped for a bit of a natter, and it was very um, easy. Whereas I might get one guy like last week who wanted to do kind of eight, seven, eight minute miles and which is a lot, lot faster, but then you're not stopping. And then it's all about me trying to just keep up as fast as I can. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yes, but no, the whole idea is, especially for the shorter tours, that they're really accessible to anybody and that's really important for me and um that's why I'm trying to keep them more bespoke rather than doing the bigger tours where it's obviously difficult to gauge levels of ability and it's all about trying to get keep the group together yeah they sound awesome so obviously you have to keep a certain level of fitness yourself if you've got people that range of people from fairly novice to wanting to run seven eight minute miles How how do you keep on top of your own fitness um, so, well, one of the things that I'm really into is trail running. So trail running is my passion. So try to get out into the hills, um, most weekends or days off. Um, I love being, as I said, love being outdoors, um, love the longer runs, really like going up hills. Um, so I do that regularly. I'm training for a few ultra marathons, um, this year. So I've got my first big one of this year coming up at the end of April. So that's 53 miles up in the West Highland way. Um, so I'm training for that at the same time I'm doing the tours and the tours fit in quite nicely as well. Yep. And at the same time, um, I'm 
part of a gym, but it's like a ninja warrior gym. So um, I do like my weight training there because I think the strength side of things is very important as well. Um, and I do advocate it to people. I don't mean lifting necessarily big heavy weights, but doing some sort of body weight or having using some sort of weights to get some strength and just to, well, help the body feel stronger in general. And what do you do then for rest and recovery time? Um, so that has definitely been, um, for the first time ever, quite a big challenge in this past month as the running tours has really picked up. I picked up my training for the ultras and um, I've been doing my strength training and I got to last Friday and um, I actually had to put in more rest days. So usually I put in about one a week, but I needed that whole, I needed the whole weekend off. I needed Saturday, Sunday and Monday off because I was physically, physically, physically exhausted. And in the end yesterday, I did go and do some climbing, which um, I'm a beginner, so it wasn't too physical. But I think that's something I'm going to be looking at over the next, say, two or three months, just making sure I am programming enough rest days. It's so important to let your body rest. I'm not superhuman and my job's a very physical one and I'm trying to do all of this other stuff. And so I'm telling people to get rest days in. I'm telling them to look after their body. And I kind of got to Friday and thought, I haven't rested enough for probably a whole month. I haven't been eating enough. I've eaten, I always eat well. I'm quite a good eater, but haven't been eating enough. And it suddenly hit me on Friday. I was like, gosh, I'm not following any of my own advice here. I need to really sit down and, you know, start doing it. Otherwise I'm going to burn out and I don't have a business if I burn out and I don't have, you lose that enjoyment of what you're doing as well if yeah. you get yourself in that situation. Yeah, because I think there's a very, very fine line between being super fit and healthy and tipping over the edge into unhealthy. Um, because I made the mistake of tipping over the edge. And people were rewarding me for always doing so many classes and always doing so much work and putting my, my body through all this physical strain. And they're like, oh my God, you must be so healthy, you must be so healthy. And then when I took on well, like who can that be because you're so healthy and I'm like well actually there is that there's healthy and then there's right over the other side of that not healthy anymore yeah exactly and um that's certainly something that I'm really aware of now and I don't want to yeah I don't want to tip over that edge but I think you can get so wrapped up in your own stuff that you're like I completely wasn't aware what state I'd got myself into by Friday and it was quite good having that check before it goes any further so like yep I need to program more lessons than I think I do and I need to be eating more than I need to do and I need to just plan my runs a bit more as well rather than trying to cram everything in yeah so what sort of you were saying earlier we're, we've spoken before about nutrition what are your sort of main pointers to your clients about nutrition um for me nutrition is all about um sustainability creating um good habit habits and having like a really well route oh no you just completely froze there and then i was just about to take a screenshot a photograph of the screen that had stopped on to send it to you and then you disappeared so i couldn't do that (laughs) (laughs) you're back (laughs) yes yeah so nutrition Nutrition, yeah. yeah so um sustainable creating um good habits and for me it's really i felt i think in my head it certainly sounds simple anyway it's just about keeping everything as fresh as possible um avoiding uh 
processed sugary foods and just you know having a sensible diet as well i don't think it's anything complicated i'm not into um fad diets it's about listening to your body working out you know what to eat and when to eat and just um yeah being sensible with your options like nobody's going to eat well or perfectly 100% of the time and life would be fun if you know you never had well for me it's chocolate for example but 80% of the time or maybe 90% of the time for me it is I'm eating very fresh food so lots and lots of vegetables lots of fruit lean meats um don't eat too much meat personally um but it's all of that kind of natural stuff rather than I don't you know, staying away from the package stuff um, as much as possible. I know there's a convenience element in there as well, um, which sometimes you have to factor into your busy life. But um, otherwise, it's you know keeping everything healthy, simple, and not trying to overcomplicate it really, and not stressing too much about it either. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if for somebody that was listening just now, if they were if they were somebody who was stuck on the couch at the moment, not eating particularly healthy, and knew that they had they needed to do something, what would you suggest to them to be their starting point? Um, first of all, I think you need to get everything out of the house that is tempting you. So, if you are buying stuff like packets of crisps, like you know the big multi. Oh, hang on! You've just muted yourself. but then you find that you're eating all of them can you hear me you just muted yourself there <laughs> i'm sorry, sorry. I'm not doing very well here um but um yeah you need to get rid of the stuff that's tempting you uh, we all like to think we have strong willpower i know if i have chocolate in the house i will sit there thinking about it until i eat it like i just can't not eat it if i don't have it in the house i can't i just I can't eat it like there's no other options um and so that's my one of my big things is just don't have it in to start with Uh, but then it's just I think planning an organization we there's a little bit of a chat going on one of the threads this afternoon about that as well like I have a few go-to meals so there's always stuff certain stuff that I have in the fridge and it might be quite boring but if I'm at the supermarket I have a list of kind of six to ten things I will just buy so that I know I can always make a couple of healthy meals um, yeah. before my next supermarket shop. So for me, it's um, I will always have some pre-cooked salmon fillets, um, lots of spinach and frozen vegetables and tomatoes and usually some lentils. And that will, for me, just kind of go into a big salad. And I always, always have eggs so that I can always make um, a vegetable omelette or something. So I know that there's always stuff in the fridge that means I've, got some healthy options there yeah. and then you know if it's in between your big shop you're still okay um yeah things yeah it's just about thinking ahead of what what your schedule is going to be like so that you're yeah. not so as much as possible you're not caught short there'll always be a time where some you slip through something slips through the net or something comes up unexpectedly but if you can try and second guess what your week's going to look like that can help for sure Definitely. And it's being aware of what your social life's like as well. So if you know that on Thursday and Friday, you've got meals out with friends and there's no way you're going to choose the healthiest option on there because you want that burger or whatever, 
then at the beginning of the week, you need to kind of factor that into your week. Like don't ignore the stuff that you know is going to happen. Mm. Like if you know you've got two really nice meals coming up or you're going out for coffee and a cake with a friend, you know that's coming. That's a treat you can look forward to. So the few days before, try and take that into account and eat maybe, you know, slightly healthier, keep it to all the good stuff because you've got that coming. So you know that's that's coming. Yeah. It's like bulletproofing. Yeah. It's bulletproofing your plan. And then when you do have the coffee and cake or the dinner out or whatever, making sure that you drop back into your normal routine as soon as possible after. Exactly. And I think that's key. Not saying I hear this so many times, oh, I'm going to start on Monday. And as soon as you say I'm going to start at some time in the future, it means that your headspace is not there. You need to, when you make that decision, it needs to be now. It doesn't, it's not the new year. It's not after Easter. It's just, I'm doing this for my good, for myself. I know it's going to make me happier because you know, it might, it's probably the fact that if you're not eating well, you're probably making yourself unhappy doing it. Yet we all do it. We, we eat something like we gorge on chocolate. I'm saying we, but let's say I gorge on chocolate makes me unhappy and the chances are you'll eat some more chocolate because you're feeling so unhappy and I think yeah. as women we're so susceptible to this and we just keep on doing it and I hear it all the time and it's um just being strong with sometimes you just have to be strong with yourself and just give yourself a little bit of tough love as in no I need to stop now if there's still some chocolate left that needs to go in the bin I've already eaten the whole packet or half a packet let's not make this any worse yeah. I'm just going to start right now yeah. and do it. Make the, make the decision and take the action immediately because something might happen between now and Monday that prevents you from starting on Monday. Yeah, and get friends, get family involved. Like if you've got other people you're accountable to, if you've told everybody what you're going to do, then you, you're going to be slightly more likely to stick to it because you know, if everybody in the office knows that, you don't want to be eating cake well they'll hopefully not be offering it you or you know if your husband knows that you um really want to make a go at losing some weight getting a bit fitter and healthier if you tell him then hopefully he's going to be more supportive or your partner whoever it is so you know bring friends and family into it if you think it's going to help you yeah yeah and i think when you're asking people to support you is sometimes you have to open up and be a bit vulnerable and tell them why it's not just, oh, I want to lose some weight. If there's an emotional attachment or a need to feel a certain way, I think they need to understand that as well because if it's just if they think it's just a weight loss goal because you're not happy with how you look, rather than taking into account the feelings, they can, they're not always, certainly from my experience with some of my clients, they've not always had that same support. It's like if you sit down and talk to them about the feelings and how you feel, not just about how you look, that can change things when they realize that there's more to it than just a number on the scales yes definitely I think um I agree with that and I think I've seen that before and I think um yeah it's all about opening up and telling people what your reasons are and it might be for example that you've done the weight loss thing quite a few times so they've heard it before they've heard you know maybe a couple of times a year I want to lose weight but maybe this is the time that it's really going to happen. So you need to show them, you need to open up and say why you're doing this. Cause I think, um, 
it's you know often emotional reasons attached to it rather than just losing weight but at the same time I think it can be quite difficult for those involved when you do start on your let's call it a fitness mission yeah because it might mean that you're changing your habits when that might affect your household side because maybe you're cooking different things you're not buying the same things you're not getting involved in those food things that might have seemed so important before and I think that that at the start can be quite difficult for people especially partners um, to come to grips with because then they can feel like suddenly they're in the spotlight for maybe not eating as well so Mm. it's that that transition period I think you have to be really Oh, you've frozen again. Right. Yeah, you're back now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. No, you, you froze. We were talking about partners um, and them to, like coming on board as well and sometimes it feeling like it's been highlighted if they maybe, if you both are unhealthy eaters and then one of you makes a decision to make that change and the other person's not there yet or not ready. Sometimes it can feel like that's been mirrored back to them and they can feel uncomfortable with it. Yeah, I think they can see it as a, a personal attack almost, as in mm. you're then highlighting how badly they're eating. So it, it's can, it can be quite a confusing period at the beginning. So it's trying to navigate that in the best way. And I think one of the best ways is to be really honest about why you're doing it and hopefully that your honesty can also highlight to potentially your partner why it might be a good idea for them to be involved in the same way or at least, um, at the very least, support you. Because if you're trying to get rid of, for example, all the crisps in the house, you don't want somebody else to be really reintroducing everything that you're trying to get rid of. So, yep. yeah, it's navigating that. Yeah. Um, I, know, I know a couple of people who have been in that situation and relationships have broken down over it, which is quite sad. But for the person who's going on that journey, they have to remember that it's for themselves and for their health. And that has to be the priority because if they are not healthy and happy within themselves, they can't then give back to people in the way that they would want to. Yeah, definitely. And it is, it's about if you're, if you concentrate on you at the start, you're going to end up a happier person and that happy person is going to affect everybody in a much more positive way. But it can be quite difficult for everybody else to maybe see that sometimes at the beginning. It takes a while almost for the ripples to have their effect. But it's definitely true that once you start taking that time for yourself, taking the care for your body, for what you eat, for yeah, what you put into it, how you're feeling and moving, then you're just going to feel better about yourself most of the time. And that has, that can have a huge impact on all levels of your, of your life. Yeah. Cause I was talking to somebody else last week and she'd been talking about how when she started to, to eat for her health, she noticed her mood was like, her mood had lifted and that when she had previously suffered a bit of depression and things like that, that had all been turned around based on the foods that she'd been putting in, she didn't realise the sort of emotional impact that they'd had, that they, that the foods had been having on her. With yeah. The, with yeah. the physical, yeah. I think that's the case a lot of the time. And I have to say, um, 
it might sound a little bit bad, but actually since not being in my relationship, although it was a very um, sad time and it's still quite difficult at times, the one thing I really enjoy is um, just being able to eat for myself. And because I cooked for both of us and I had to kind of make a compromise, I'm loving that I can eat exactly what I want and I'm just putting good stuff into me the whole time. And it's very difficult to find somebody exactly on your same eating wavelength. And now I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. And, um, you know, it is very selfish at the same time. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it for the time being, being able to cook what I want, buy the food that I want and just feel like I'm eating as healthy as I possibly can. Cause I'm the one fully in control of it. And I'm aware that that's, um, not the situation for many people lots of people have families as well but um you know i'm just it's just a kind of uh something i've noticed since not being in a relationship how i didn't quite realize how much i was compromising on how i was eating to yeah. be in when i was in the relationship so kind of like yeah i can really see um and i think if i ever go back into a relationship i'd be more aware of not necessarily not not doing the same compromising yeah. again because I don't think you need to yeah well in my relationship I'm vegetarian so I make my own foods and my partner makes his own foods because he's very much meat-based and he's Polish so he has that very eastern European style diet even though he's lived here for like 12 11 12 years mm. but we and we do we just we shop for separate stuff and we, we do that and it works for us because I lived by myself for six and a half years and he lived by him, himself for several years. So now that we live together, it's still we still eat. Although we'll sit down and eat together, we both just cook our own food separately and it's and it works fine. Yeah. It is possible to work. But obviously if you've got kids and stuff like that, then that becomes difficult because unless like my mum used to cook three or four different meals in the house, but that was she set that up herself and she let that happen. <laughs> but there are people out there that don't let that happen. And it's like, well, if the kids are old enough to cook for themselves, encourage that that independence so that they can go and cook what they want. And even teaching younger kids, getting them in the kitchen to help cook, then starts to teach them from a younger age as well how to cook, how to become a wee bit more independent, but also about putting food together. Because when you see, I don't have kids myself, but when you see kids around food and when you see them, like when Jamie Oliver used to go, when he did that program where he was going into the schools and teaching the kids, kids want to know about the food and they want to know about what they're eating and they want to know about health. So when you can educate them and bring that into family time, it then makes everything a bit easier. Yeah, definitely. I see um, my brother um, and his wife with my niece and nephew who are four and five and they're involved in so much of the, the cooking, not necessarily in the evening, but at the weekends with my brother and my wife getting them to help with the cooking even at that age, to help them grow the vegetables, to show them what is going into their meals and why. And they have a genuine interest and I don't know where it's going to go, but you hope that that interest from a young age means that they have that understanding of where food comes from and what you're putting in your your body and not, not everything comes from a packet. So I think that's, um, you know, such a great way of, of dealing with things as well. But you're right, I don't have children either. So it's very difficult for me to comment on that whole family um, situation because I know it can be very tough and complex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I remember when I was young, like 
quite small, up to about the age of 10, everything was always like home cooked. And then microwaves came in the world as a normal <laughs> thing in the house. And then we started getting like food put into the microwaves. My mum never bought microwave meals because they were always, they're all expensive for what they are. Um, but even tasting microwave food versus food that's been cooked on the stove, it tastes totally different to me. And because I had the experience of knowing what it was like before, when I got the microwave food, I was like, no, I don't like that. Give me give me the proper cooked stuff. And I, as an adult, I don't have a microwave in my house because it just I just find food feels really rubbery. But if you have been somebody who grew up only knowing microwave food, that's the only way you know how things taste. So you tend to sort of go with what you know. Yeah, it's true. And I think just from working with lots of clients as well, that you can see how even though they're maybe in their 30s and 40s, their what they've grown up with their habits have been formed in those early years so for example I've met so many people who don't eat any vegetables because they didn't eat them as a child like many of us didn't and they just somehow never broke through that I'm not going to eat a vegetable thing and you're just like come on you can do this I know you can do this like there's nothing (laughs) I'm sure if you just gave it a bit of a chance but it's had 30 40 years to stick in their mind that they don't like vegetables and that's a very very difficult um habit to try and break because it's so ingrained in there um but it is so interesting seeing how our childhood eating habits affect us as adults so if you're used to having home-cooked foods like you say then the chances are as an adult like I was as well you towards making your own home-cooked foods and you know I see my brother and he's exactly the same as well and he's teaching his children the same and yeah so I think there's a huge impact in that way as well yeah Yeah. oh I was going to say something there and it slipped right out my head (laughs) oh I hate when that happens oh the dog distracted me I'm I'm dog sitting my mum and dad's dog just now and it's just farted and it's absolutely Oh, <laughs> glad I'm glad I'm not on your side of the. And it's like it's just stolen my thought. Um, but we're, yeah. we're talking about microwave well, food. I've got a question for go. you, Jen, okay. if you don't mind, because um, we probably it. have similar questions on this. Like you obviously work with loads of women as well, like I do. What do you find when women come to you is like one of the biggest things that they're struggling with? Do you think it's necessarily the actual exercise and the actual eating? Or do you feel it? they stem from kind of deeper issues of confidence, maybe unhappiness? Because the more I work with women, the more experience I get, the more I realize it's just so not that simple as telling somebody to exercise or to eat well. There's so much more that comes in into it with that. Yeah, definitely more comes into it because it's, it's deep-rooted. The, they know what they should be doing. In terms yeah. of they know what they should be eating, they know that they need to move a bit more, but something within them is stopping them. And it's often it comes down to a a low a low feeling of self worth, um, feeling not feeling good enough, and we need to, and also not having time because they're too busy giving time to everybody else. They're not looking after themselves first. They're not doing that whole filling your cup thing that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, you need to fill your own cup to be able to give to other people. So when they are chasing about after partners or bosses or kids or investing in their business if they're self-employed, like because we know a lot of self-employed women, and it's all that got to work, got to work, got to work. They're not giving themselves time to rest and recover. They're not feeling themselves right. 
and then they start feeling shit about themselves and then it goes in a downward spiral from there to the point where they know what they should do but they just can't find the energy and the reason they don't have a strong enough they're not understanding their why to be able to get over that hurdle and when they start to assess their whole life that's when they start being able to put the building blocks and it might be that nutrition and exercise actually come a bit further down the track and they need to work on their inner self understand what their values are start to believe in themselves and build up a little bit of confidence and once they get that they then start to want to show themselves more love and part of that showing themselves more love is choosing the right foods and starting to move a bit more so that they feel better and start to build their energy from there mm. yeah because sometimes I find it quite difficult as a personal trainer um I'm seeing women maybe for the first time and by the time they get to me it almost feels like I'm their last resort is in often they've tried so many other things and they're at such a low point and it really could be quite painful at times seeing somebody in that situation when they've just somehow managed to lose all of that confidence and all of that happiness that maybe they once had and it's yeah I feel you know I then feel like it's my mission to try and help them and it's but it's so much more than as you just said <laughs> than getting them to do a bit of exercise um and I just wish and I don't know I don't have the answer to this but I don't know why I feel like women and I'm gen going to generalize here but <laughs> there seems to be this lack of confidence about how amazing we are and somehow we're getting to, there's so many of us getting to this stage. We all have crisis of confidence, but there seems to be, we're getting to this stage where it's just become so overwhelming. And I see it happening to so many women and I can't understand why when I look at them and think how amazing everybody is. And they, you know, they might have a family, they might be an awesome mom, they might also you know, have an incredible job and all of these things, yet they just can't see that. And I'm not sure what's going wrong somewhere along the line that so many of us are, are like this because I don't, see it personally the same way in men you might you might not agree on that but I don't there does seem to be this disparity in how we how harsh we are on ourselves yeah I think I had this conversation with somebody this week as well oh, excuse me I'm choking on my water here <coughs> um I had this conversation about the influence that the media has on us so social media the comparisons but also the marketing companies yeah very much are in tune with how we think and how we feel about ourselves and they use their marketing cam campaigns to make us feel worse about ourselves so that they can sell more products and that's been more so in the last couple of decades and um, they've now started getting psychologists working for them to be able to manipulate the way in the words that they use and the language that they use so that it's gone out and then obviously the whole internet and all the cookies that are out there so adverts start to follow you around no matter what mm -hmm. website you're on things are popping up so constantly you're getting these subliminal messages of you're not good enough unless you use this product you're not good enough unless you eat this food you're not good enough unless your hair's this color and your body's this shape and blah 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 and there's all these subliminal messages coming and when you start to highlight that to women and they understand this marketing campaign set out to make you feel X, Y, Z, it's then less aggressive on them. But if they don't know that and they're just getting all these messages all the time, it's it has a huge, a huge, huge influence. And because we see it 
and images. Images are really, really powerful. So you see, I always refer to like the Diet Coke girls who are all slim and beautiful and having fun because they're drinking Diet Coke. I've drank a kind of Diet Coke and it was disgusting and nothing, <laughs> my life wasn't like that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all, it's all about that, how all that emotional stuff, how you feel. So when your eyes are open to that, it makes that message a little bit less impactful on your life. Mm. Yeah, it does seem scary, um, the impact that social media has on us without even mm. the influence, without us even realising, especially like in terms of health, fitness and well-being as well. So be interesting to see, I think, as social media grows, how all of that is going to change and develop and how awareness grows at the same time as well. Hopefully it'll grow in a positive way as well as kind of in a negative way as well. Yeah, well, there's always, I mean, all, I remember when I was a teenager, the magazines got slated because they were always putting pictures of young slim girls and they were saying that's what triggered anorexia. And obviously nowadays that is more than just in magazines. It's on your phone constantly in young yeah, people's everywhere. eyes. So you're thinking, shit, that must be 10 times worse for, for younger kids coming up now because they think that's what's the norm. Mm. And it's being very careful about what you're exposing yourself to. Because obviously the adverts, there's things you can't control. But when you're going through your social media feeds, are is what you're seeing giving you a positive feeling or is it making you feel shit about yourself? It's when I was unwell last year, and I was in bed for oh, a couple of months, um, not well, and I was going through social media and I had to unfollow loads of people because all I saw were these really fit, hot bodies, people on the beach, all this amazing food that I couldn't eat and, I, and it was making me feel terrible. And normally that made me feel really good, but at that point where I was in my life, I had to then go through and unfollow loads of things so that what I was seeing was making me feel good at that time. And then as I felt better, I then went back and started re-following those people because my head was in a better better space. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good indication, actually. I think I'll yeah take that away from me as well as something to tell people, as in if it makes you feel bad when you're looking at it, it's probably not right for you at that time to be mm. looking at it for whatever reason. It might be you know, you're emotionally not, in the right place to be looking at that certain thing but I think that's really important actually it's a good uh, good tip yeah <laughs> I think being aware of it where you are in your monthly cycle as well because we are very <laughs> uh, women like uh, guys don't seem to have a cycle of anything like but women are very cyclical because we've got the menstrual cycle and some points of the month you will feel shitty and other times of the month you feel amazing. So yeah. being, being aware of your cycle and how you feel there. So, you know, maybe there might be a couple of days a month where you don't go on social media so that you're not constantly following and unfollowing people. So maybe <laughs> being aware of that and going like, you know what, these couple of days are really bad for me. So I'm not going to go on. I'm going to log out of Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is. And then once you start to feel better, log back in and check in with that. So I think being aware of your cycle can really help as well as what else is going on in, in your world to to influence it. Definitely. And it's one of those things actually um, that it's only recently that I started tracking my cycle on app. So mm. um, end of last year, kind of October time, started tracking it on an app um, and about so when my cycle was actually happening, but the different emotions I was going through and my different sleep patterns. And so now I can start seeing this 
start seeing a pattern building up as yeah I'm really grouchy on those days I'm really full of energy and could conquer the world on those days so I can be doing more exercise um I can you know I'm feeling like I could lift the world on those days and then there's other days where I just want to lie in bed the whole time so I'm managing my fitness a bit more around that as well and my races and just having a more of awareness of my emotional state as well so knowing that I'm sitting there crying it's just sometimes because it's that time of the month and that's going to happen regardless of whether you know I'm super happy or not it's nothing to really worry about it's just that's going to happen it'll be over within a day or two I can see it now and you know, a nice little app that I follow. And I think that's actually um, a new part of everything that I've started bringing in, which I was aware of it. I've learned all about it. I talked to my clients about it, but it was not something that I was doing very much for myself. I was aware of peaks and troughs in my energy levels um, as part of my cycle. So in terms of lifting things and running, but I kind of left it at that thinking, oh, you know, it's all nothing I need to concentrate on really. But mm. since tracking it, I'm like, makes so much more sense. And yeah. I can really see the benefits of it in terms of eating as well. We, you know, there's days when we want to eat or I want to eat a horse. And it's, at least I have that awareness that that's probably going to happen. So making sure that I don't have any of the stuff in the house those days that I'm just going to demolish it. Yeah. Yeah, I've been tracking my, like my cyclone apps as well because I decided in November to come off the pill after having been on it for like 21 years because I didn't ever, there was very small changes in in my, my mood and my energy, but they were really, really slight. And I wasn't sure, obviously having been on the pill for such a long time, I wasn't sure what impact that that was having, not experiencing a proper cycle because obviously you it was being controlled by synthetic hormones. So having come off it in November and my body's starting to find its own natural rhythm and its own natural cycle. Yeah. Those I'm starting to notice bigger changes in energy levels and mood mm. moods and hunger and those sort of things. Yeah. So it's very interesting and I think, what have I done to my body for the last twenty one and a half years? <laughs> Shit. Um I know. Scary, so, isn't it? Yeah. Because I think thinking back to when we first when I first got taught about periods in primary seven they just said this happens once a month some people it's 28 days some people it's a little bit less some people it's a little bit more and this is what a tampon is this is what a sandwich is and that was about as much as they told you about your whole cycle and it wasn't until I was coming off the pill I, I suddenly thought I don't actually understand the female hormonal cycle and what the hell is going on. So I had to then go away and start learning about it. Yeah. I think nearly at 40 years old, what is going on here? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's true. And I think I my story is so similar to you as in I had exactly the same in October. And mm. I think it was that lack of awareness because everything was so you know, so regulated that I wasn't seeing any of these big differences or anything. So in my head, I'd completely forgotten that that was probably likely to be because I was on the pill and that actually coming off it, I'm now like, wow. Yeah, like you said, the differences, I'm like, God, there's like days when you don't want to come near me, days (laughs) when I'm so emotional, days when I'm just like, wow. And I'm like, wow, this is like, it's a whole new, it's a whole new thing to deal with as well. But it's, 
been good because now I'm getting a better appreciation of what lots of other women are going through um, as well. And like yourself, it's about learning about it and seeing how that affects so many other things as well. And it's such a shame that, like you said, um, late thirties for myself and we're getting to this stage and it's like, how do I not know about this stuff? Or I do, you know, theoretically I learned about it, but how it just wasn't really in my, at the forefront of my mind or really, I don't think I'd appreciated the impact yeah. that it could have. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think my mum's, she's just in her early sixties. She didn't go through the menopause until she was about 58. I think 58 was the first time she had a full year where she had no, no periods. So she, that's quite late. Um, and she did it without using HRT and she'd never been on the pill. So she'd always experienced these cycles. But even having gone through the menopause and she's now four years not bleeding, she still has a monthly cycle. Her hormones are still adapting. So for women who are going through the menopause and they go, oh, that's all over. The bleed is all over, but the, the cycle still happens. You still have the up days, down days and emotional imbalances that, probably don't realize but I only know of of that now because my mum has gone through it and again people don't you never really talked about menopause until recently Mm. um it's sort of that this generation of women that are coming through now are ones that talk about that sort of stuff whereas generations before it was just it was something that happens and we never it was never out in the public and so it's interesting to see what I'm going through, having coming off the pill after such a long time, and my mum, how she's going through and how she's dealing with things without actually using any hormone replacement. Yeah. No, it's a yeah, it's a whole really interesting in really interesting situation. I think it would be such a good thing if we were educated as younger girls in it a lot more, and guys as well, to understand. Yeah. There is this cycle and what that actually means, and because it's what makes us women as well. It's such an integral part of who we are so it's something we should all really understand about ourselves and I think um maybe like yourself but I went on the pill pretty to be honest without really thinking about it but actually it should be quite a big decision because you're putting this thing in your body I was thinking at the time you know last year what am I doing like I hadn't really thought I'm so good at what I eat so good about what I put in my body and suddenly I was like hang on I've been on the pill for so many years and it's something that I don't even know really what it is I know it's her hormones but where are these coming from what are they doing and it is it should be much bigger decision that is talked through and you kind of understand what that means to the effects of your body and your cycle and yeah it's a interesting topic yeah yeah because I went on the pill when I was 17 and it was because all my friends were on it and they were like yeah it means you don't have to have your periods over the weekends and it means you don't have to have your periods when you're on holiday and that to me was why I went on the pill yeah exactly the doctors never had a conversation about it and then I tried to speak to my doctor about it a couple of years ago and he didn't really have anything to tell me He Mm. he couldn't give me any valuable information so I just decided I was just gonna go on my own path and do it myself and learn myself because yeah they couldn't which is yeah. scary because they're the ones that are prescribing it i know yeah and had some stuff over and you're like mm, okay yeah no definitely yeah interesting <laughs> every time i do these um podcast interviews they sit in the chat and then all of a sudden i look at the time and i'm like shit 
<laughs> and there is an hour. I mean, usually I cut out for some of it. <laughs> it was like a couple of minutes. <laughs> no, it's been, it's been fab. It's been fab, yeah. And there's definitely other stuff that we can talk about at another time. Yeah, definitely. I think it was tangents. Yeah, no, really good. And I think definitely from in terms of hearing more stuff, I'd love to hear more about the, the hormones, all of that kind of that angle of it at some you know I don't know if that comes into your I mean because I'm not um I don't know enough about it myself but I think it's such a massive topic that actually Mm. we kind of don't really talk about like we kind of know we've got these hormones that they affect us but not just how much they affect us and how much they make us who we are really yeah I think I'm very early stages of learning about it so I think it's um it's worth me doing some research to find somebody to bring on that yeah knows definitely. this stuff so i don't know i don't know anybody yeah i'll yeah. um i'll maybe put a, a shout out in across the group yeah. to see if anybody's a hormone expert to, to get them on or if anybody's listening to this just now and think i'm a hormone <laughs> expert get in touch because we want to speak to you <laughs> yeah cool well i want to thank you very much for your time today nicole thank you for being on the podcast um, people listening that want to know more about the Edinburgh Running Tours and your personal training services and stuff, how is the best way for them to get in contact with you? Um, so I'm on Instagram as at edinruntours uh, and on Instagram as Nicole Wright underscore PT and yeah, it's the website's www.edinburgruntours.com or um yeah they can facebook me as well so i'm friends with you i think well i'm definitely friends with you on facebook yep. so yeah can easily link in that way as well cool. i will put all the links into the show notes for anybody who's listening and wants mm-hmm. to come yeah. on there it's been and great speaking to you i've really enjoyed like how it's just gone off and we've spoken about so many different things and it's lovely yeah. to speak to somebody who's on a similar wavelength to me as well yeah it's good it's good and it's good not to have set questions because they just hold you back from that yeah. kind of diverse often a oftener tangent kind of conversation it's really good yeah yeah i'm just gonna oh. hit stop oh, my mouse is out of control <laughs>